Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to six, A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4-6 to six with A&B, your Ohio State podcast on The Athletic. Bill Landis. Joined as always by Ari Wasserman, and here has, is what's happened in the last, I don't know, 24-ish hours, 12 hours really, as we recorded this on a Thursday morning. Uh, a letter from Kevin Warren, an open letter to the Big Ten community, uh, in which I guess he said some stuff. He said more than he said when the league canceled the season. I'm not sure he said enough. We'll get into that. He did an interview with a lot of people, including Nicole Auerbeck, our colleague at The Athletic. You can go read that story, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Get you 40% off a subscription. You can read that story. Uh, after that letter came out, a letter from Gene Smith. Everyone's writing letters, and they say the post office is going to shit. Gene Smith said uh, they're on board with the decision for the Big Ten, which has sort of been the line the entire time, but he still threw a thing in there that said, if we were playing right now, we could play right now. We're ready to do it, but we know we can't do it, so we're moving forward to the spring. It was like one last little thing from Ohio State. Maybe one little last act of defiance in the Big Ten's decision-making. But it seems like, Ari, we have finality, at least to like the saga of whether or not the Big Ten is going to actually reverse course and play this fall. I'm not sure people are happy about it, but... I, th- I, I I don't know. Closure? Is closure too strong of a word? Like, where are you with all of this? Because, like, as a reporter, like, for me, we do our job, we cover this stuff, like, being on the edge of your seat, wondering what's going to come next, what's going to come next, what's real, what's not real, who's this guy with a boat on Twitter who's saying he's a reporter. Like, I think we're past all that. Are we past all that? I was past all of it already. Like, I don't pay attention to that stuff very often. I feel like if your name is Sir Yacht, 
then you have a point zero 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 one percent chance of being right. And the reason why is because when you make shit up, maybe there's that percentage that you could be right. But like that's the thing right now. I think people are in a desperate scenario. We're in a desperate scenario. We we, we wanted football and we're with you in that. But I, I just you and I were texting about this the other day, but I'm in a position right now where I'm like Ryan Day on the press uh, on the Zoom call last week. I want answers for what's next. I don't want to keep digging up the same thing over and over again, which is the why. Why did the Big Ten cancel the season? To me, I am in a position where I understand the decision. And I think everybody else would does and understands that decision too, but still wants to relitigate why. And I think that's healthy, especially for the parents and, and you brought me down to earth a little bit and you know said that you know, these people who've been training their entire lives um, want to play the game and there's other people playing the game. And I know that's part of the issue, too, that others are still doing the thing that the Big Ten is not. But in terms of the decision, the position the country's in right now, I, I didn't really see much value in trying to figure out who voted for what or who did what, you know. And again, I, I think it's great that you know, Justin Fields signed that petition or had that petition created. I want the parents to be heard. Randy Wade is a wonderful man with an awesome son who, um, you know, I, I respect a lot, you know, and I got to know him a little bit in Jacksonville in January when Sean decided to come back, and he's just an awesome dude. Like, all the cool things of seeing, like, Ohio State community band together to try to, like, make something happen or get something going was was awesome. And I, I love people who who are passionate about something, but in terms of like the reality of the situation, I never was at a place where a, I thought the big 10 would, would listen to these people and change their mind because if they were concerned about what these people thought, then the initial reaction or the initial decision would have gone differently. Um, and two, I just don't know that, you know, the, the problem that they're facing right now is something that is avoidable. Um, and you know, to me, my personal, thought right now is that it sucks really bad right now for Big Ten fans, for Ohio State fans to like see pictures of Florida State practicing or to see Alabama and LSU on the schedule and get like you feel like you're gonna be left out. And, and like that would suck. Like honestly that would it would be terrible. If you're an Ohio State fan and you're watching LSU Alabama and your team, which is legitimately good enough to be the best team in college football and win a national title, isn't playing. That's like the worst scenario. That's worse than the worst loss that they could come up with. But I just am at the point now where we're at a, we're in a pandemic. The numbers are the numbers. It is a very hard thing to manage. We're going to start seeing more outbreaks at different places with students. And I just don't see there's going to be football anywhere. I still think that. I'd like to know what you think about that. But once everybody's back on the same page, I think it'll be easier for people to accept. I agree with that. I I, I think I said, I don't know, the, the last episode, episode before that, that, that I also don't think that anyone's going to play this fall. Um, I'm still there. I think I'm still there. That's, st that's still my lean. If someone asked me what do you think is ultimately going to happen, I, I would still say that no one plays this fall. And we've seen the stuff that's happening, particularly in the ACC, at UNC and, and Notre Dame in particular. Um, and you can even, when you listen to some of these coaches talk, there's inconsistencies about their plan, how often they're testing, what certain protocols are. And I just don't think that football can exist in a world where everyone's contingency plans are different, even if they're different conference to conference and not like school to school within a conference I still think it's a hard time because I think once these once one of these leagues comes to the conclusion like you know what we can't do this either I think it all comes crumbling down I just can't see two leagues playing or one league going going it alone um, and maybe I'll be wrong on that but, but that's kind of where I'm at too but I, I, I struggle with this though because 
I'm in a very same place as, as you are, similar place as you are, where like I'm kind of ready to move on from this. I felt like whether you agreed with what Kevin Warren's letter said or or not, he said pretty bluntly, like, we're not revisiting the, the decision. The, the idea that somehow the fall season could be saved is not on the table. And I understand that there's been reporting, and I'll say reporting again in air quotes for, for some other cases, like, that that's not true and there's still a chance like I, I just, there's not a, like there's not a chance unless gene smith is so diabolical that he is publicly saying one thing and behind the scenes doing another and i guess that's possible i don't think that's what he's doing uh then i just don't know how we're going to still sit here and expect something to happen so like i am ready to move sort of beyond this too and talk about what comes next but i'm not sure that ohio state fans are um, and maybe some are, and I like, I would love to hear it actually. Like we're about to enter a time where we're not going to have fall football, but we're still doing a, a an Ohio state football podcast. And, and I think we'd love to hear from you guys who listen to this about like what you're interested in hearing about now and in the future as well, because I still think there's a large segment of, of the fan base and the parents in particular, um, the players, certainly the program, certainly that don't feel like what happened on Wednesday night from Kevin Warren was enough. And, and case in point, like Randy Wade is still planning on getting on a flight tonight and going to Chicago and, and having a, a demonstration, a protest, whatever you want to call it outside of the big 10 headquarters, because they still feel like there's questions to be answered. I, I'm on the same page as you that I, we're in a pandemic is probably a good enough answer for me. But the decision that was made does not affect me the same way it affects these people right. who were angry on, on Twitter and sending letters to Kevin Warren. I think they deserve more information than what's been given to them so far. So, Yeah, I, and that information it. should be as simple as here are the numbers. Here's what we found from our medical experts. We care about your children. We don't want them to get sick. We can't do this without risking some of their health. And, like, show them the real reasons why. And I think that people will accept it. I think the problem isn't the decision. The problem has always been the execution of the decision. And we said that the day after this happened. And I still feel like Kevin Warren has been very bad about presenting this. And, like, that business insider thing (laughs) that he did, that interview, was such a joke. Like, he has to even know that he shouldn't have done it. That was uh, that was an that was an, an embarrassment for journalism one, and also embarrassing for Kevin Warren. Because like as the Big Ten commissioner, you should know I'm going to accomplish nothing but criticism by going on a show and avoiding all the topics that people want to hear about. Yeah, I don't know what that was. That was the worst thing I've ever seen on Twitter in terms of time wasting. We were watching it um, myself and some other people uh, at the Athletic were watching it. Because we, we saw someone tweet that it was going to happen, so we all kind of logged on and were watching it. And like the first thing that was said in the interview was, well, we're not going to talk about all those things that you were asked on the Big Ten Network. And I just sent somebody a text that said, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. But here's something when you were talking, Bill, that I thought of in my head. And like yesterday, I came up with an analogy in our texting conversation that you said was a trash analogy. But <laughs> let me see if this is a good one. You tell me. So we love covering recruiting. You know, I'm in this recruiting position now, but I think you also like writing these types of stories, which is why, in part, we're best friends on and off the field. But I'm just wondering, whenever Ohio State is involved in a recruitment, a high-profile recruitment or somebody that fans are really amped up about, right, and that player commits to another program, what story 
But even back to, back to even Cleveland.com days, did we not pursue? We never wrote, here are the six reasons why Ohio State missed on this prospect, because once a person commits, or at least signs, fans seem to not give a crap about that player anymore because he's no longer a part of the Ohio State bubble. And for right or for wrong, I think that why they lost on a recruit are interesting, and sometimes they're super interesting when it involves wearing cleats in someone's house. But, like, other than that, people lose interest. And I think part of the reason why is because it's that Ohio State next man up, who do we get, what's next for our future mentality. And, like, I'm waiting for that switch to flip. And, like, I'm just – I think it just might be because what type of personality you are, right? Like – some people like to take information and analyze it and see decisions and break it down and completely close the book on something by analyzing it. To me, I'm the type of person that is, okay, this happened. What's next? Like, how do we attack the challenges that this created? And that is for this podcast. How are we going to get through um, interesting podcasts for our loyal listeners Without a football season, how are we going to cover this team? How are we going to do the things that we've been doing without the sport? And fans, if I were a fan, I would be like, okay, they're not playing. This is one of the all-time best Ohio State teams potentially. What can we do and what can we focus on to make sure that this team sees the field at some point? And I think that's what Ryan Day has done. And at a certain point, fans are going to have to accept it and get to that point. But we also don't want to talk for you guys. If you're still upset and want to talk about it and, you know, We'll we'll do as many podcasts uh, talking about the things that you guys want to hear um, as 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 possible because we're here to entertain you. But like it's like what to me it's almost like what's the point sometimes? Yeah, it feels it can feel sort of like wasted energy. Um, at least at least for me, I'm, I'm not saying that the people who are upset about this are wasting their time because I think you do have a right to be upset. Um, I thought that the, what what came out on Wednesday night was a little a little better. It's also what just should have come out when they made the decision in the first place, which makes it even more frustrating. Are uh, Pac-12 fans outraged? Is this happening in the Pac-12, or are people no, accepting it because they presented it better? I think the Pac-12 presented it better. One, um, I think, like bluntly, the culture of football is different in the Pac-12 than it is in the Big Ten, and especially different than it is in, in Columbus. And uh, also, I think the situation with the virus is a little different out there than it is in many places in, in the Big Ten. And I think that's part of what makes it hard to swallow for people here, too. Like Kevin Warren in his letter said something to the effect of, of numbers um, being concerning and going up in the Big Ten footprint. And it's true in parts of the Big Ten footprint, but it's not true in every part of the Big Ten footprint. It's not true in Ohio. Um and that's where a lot of the the energy and, and the anger is coming from. I think Ohio, not only Ohio, but but a lot of it here, and maybe that's at least how it feels to us because we're obviously in the Ohio bubble. Um, so there's a lot of things like it's not. I, we're in, quote we are in a pandemic end quote is a fine uh, pillar to stand on. I think when you're talking about you can't you can't play football. Um, I think for a lot of people, like it's not that binary because it's a very complicated issue and it's different sort of all over the place. And it's especially hard to swallow when you're not playing here, but 400 miles south of here, they're playing still. Not 400. Like, how far like is Kentucky? 75. Yeah. How far away is Cincinnati? How oh, far right, away is right, Dublin right. Kaufman High School? Well, that's the like, other people, part of it, too. People yeah. are like freaking out because high schools in Ohio are going to play. Or, or are on track to play, and the University of Cincinnati is playing, uh, but Ohio State's not. And I think that like every single day, 
things are inflamed because not only is Ohio State not playing, other teams are. And I think this will all die down once nobody's playing. But, like, if Dublin Kaufman High School can figure out a way to try to field a team, then Ohio State can. But everything isn't the same. It's like just because Ohio State plays a higher level of football doesn't mean that the challenges of, like, mitigating a virus are the same. You know, like, and I think that's also the misconception of it. Just because Ohio State's a better football program than Cincinnati doesn't mean that the the virus and mitigating the virus are the same. Now, they're both on college campuses, but, like, Ohio State is on one of the largest campuses in the country. The reason why we have so many listeners and so many fans of this program is because there are 500 million people who went to Ohio State. And it's just a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around. So... Does a kid who plays at a high school in Dublin have the same risk of transmission and, you know, getting a virus as a student at Ohio State, you know, and without protocols and things that would keep those players separate, which I'm not sure that they would have had. It's just a different ball game. So, like, I, it just sucks. You know, that's, I don't think there's anything else that you can say about it. It just sucks. It sucks for everybody. It does suck for everybody. And I don't, I don't want to, like, I, I think, like, parsing through the the decision or even the process of it like i just don't know how much more we can say on it and and it does seem like with what happened we, we have a little bit of finality anyway at, at least in ohio state's end like i agree with what you said about flipping that switch and the kind of what's what's next kind of deal i i do believe that ohio state's there i believe the football program is is there it doesn't mean they're not pissed off doesn't mean they're not upset that they're not playing this fall but i think for the most part they're kind of trying to channel that into okay what are we allowed to do in the immediate? <clears throat> and there's some news about that we can talk about. Um, and then what's coming down the road here in terms of a winter and spring season. And I, and I know when we say that, people are like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. But like, I don't like what else? What you got to live in reality right now. What like, else you have to live? About? They're, yeah. they're trying to do it. So we're going to talk about them trying to do it. Yeah, I don't think we can just sit here and every week and say like, "Hey, they're doing this thing, but it's not going to work." So let's talk about something else. Like, it's not. I don't know, and I'm, 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 and it's the same, and it's the same thing, Bill. When people were like, "Why aren't you talking about the fall season?" Like, you could have said, "Well, we don't think that's going to happen either." Like, you gotta, you gotta take the the thing that's next and, and treat it as reality, and that's what we're doing. So, I don't know. So we should we get to go to that now? Then, like the the winter spring. Is there anything else to, to talk about in regards to the decision, how it played out, Kevin Warren's awful handling of it? Like, I don't know. I just think we're past it. I guess we'll see what happens. Like, nothing's going to change, but like the protest or whatever is still going to happen. I'm curious to see how many people show up and what that's like and how it plays out and what their messaging is. And, and I hope it's hope everyone stays safe while they're doing it. And, and I hope that that Randy Wade. Um, gets what he's looking for and I do I do on one hand like I think there are some people who there was an article I think in USA Today maybe that was like kind of ridiculing the idea of what Randy Wade is doing that I don't I don't necessarily agree with Um, he's just a dad who's trying to look out for his kid and trying to look out for his kids friends and teammates and like I don't know I get it I get it I don't think it's like a a silly thing to try to do Um, yeah and, like, his kid is very much impacted by it. And I think we've talked about, like, first-round draft pick last year probably. And, like, he'll still get his money, like, even if they don't play. Like, you know, there's other players, too, that are, are in this boat. But, like, Randy has always been such a very 
uh, integral part of Sean's you know development in Ohio State career and has been such a supportive, warm, loving father. Like if you know the guy and you ridicule what he's doing, then you're a moron. Like you would do the same thing for your kid too. And like I know sometimes it's all about optics and the way things look and. In the world of Twitter, you get 160 characters to express yourself, which is why, if you've noticed, I've expressed myself less because I can't do it properly. Um, you know, it, it's just, you know, the guy's just trying to stand up for his kid. And, and if if my kid was Sean Wade or I had a kid on Ohio State's football team, I'd go stand out in Chicago too, especially as somebody who's standing here now saying that, can we move on? I know that if I was directly impacted by it, and I think I guess that's the point that Bill's been trying to make, you know, your perspective of the way things have been treated and handled are different because, to me, global pandemic is a good enough response if my kid was a potential first round draft pick it might not be when i'm watching alabama in training camp right now all right so we'll get to like sort of the, the what comes next stuff but before we do that ari just sent me a text to remind me to remind you to subscribe rate and review to four to six a and b wherever you find podcasts we are closing in on 400 reviews on apple itunes whatever they call it now uh if we could get a few more five-star reviews we'd greatly appreciate it when you leave a review too you can let us know like what you want us to talk about as we move forward here. We have subscriber mailbags that we'll that we'll do and we'll keep doing. And I think like those are like the questions that we'll ultimately ultimately end up answering. Theathletic.com slash four dash six. Get you forty percent off. But you can also leave ideas, I think, in those five star reviews too. And we read those. Trust me, we read them. And I will say this too, whoever is the four hundredth reviewer, provided it's a five star, Ari will come wash your car. I was just going to say that. I was going to say, if you become the 400th reviewer on iTunes Apple, I will come wash your car. Um, and the funny thing about that is, is that like when you leave a review on Apple, because I reviewed our own podcast, you never really know when it's going to show up. Um, so you can't time it. Like you can't wait for 3.99 and be like, okay, this is it. Like I think you just have to like let it fly. And if you have like a specific question or anything please we read the reviews and you know we think they're funny so if there's something that you what's the code word that we could use right now like a buzzword for everybody to use in their reviews so we knew that they heard us talking spamoni what's a funny word spamoni yeah yeah use the word spamoni in the review and then that'll be like us directly talking to you it'll feel good and you can tell us we're jerks too just as long as you tell us we're jerks with a five star A lot of people tell me I'm a jerk, so like I'm getting yeah. But they do it with a one star. Tell me he's a jerk with a five star. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'll take, I'll be less of a jerk for a five star review. (laughs) All right. Do we want? We're going to talk about I think the Sam McCullough committing too because there were some recruiting happenings that that sort of landed right in the middle of all the stuff going on, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But there does seem already to be i think real momentum for the idea of of a of a winter and spring season um i was talking with somebody the other day who uh how should i couch this would would know would be would be privy to at least some of those discussions um and he said that they, that it, he felt that it was it's pretty legitimate that they're going to try to figure out something whether it starts in early january mid january he mentioned the idea of playing them in indoor stadiums around the big 10 uh, potential Rose Bowl at the end if it's just the Big Ten and the Pac-12 kind of playing. Like, I think I'm going to allow myself to get excited about this. Are Are you going to do that? And let's pretend for a moment that like that is what's going to happen. How do you feel about a January Big Ten schedule where they're taking the show on the road around the conference footprint, playing in NFL stadiums that are indoors? Um, 
This is under the assumption that the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 still play in the fall, right? I guess we have to act that way for now, yeah. I'm excited because I love football, and like it would just be awesome to see Justin Fields and Ohio State play again, like this version of Ohio State. I think, and this is one thing that you and I were texting about too, um, and this might be a good segue to kind of like pivot from the spring for a second, but like it would almost be hard, like if Ohio State came out and is what we think it is in a spring season, and there were three other conferences that played, and the final thing was a Rose Bowl, and they go undefeated and win the Rose Bowl, which I think they probably would if they were all together. It would almost feel like empty because that team is an all-time great. It would, you know, like make, it would make it feel worse it would because make it you just got validation. Yeah. You get validation for the thing that you already feel. And like the thing that we didn't say um, in the first part of this podcast and the thing that Bill and I were texting about the other day is if it seems like Ohio State fans, Ohio State's coach, Ohio State's parents, and Ohio State's players are more desperate than other people, it's because their team is really, really good. And, like, you get a sense. Ryan Day said it on the Zoom call. We know the personnel because we were around it last year. Like, if you just put the dots together, like, Ohio State is the favorite to win or was the favorite to win the national championship game. And there was a direct correlation between desperation and ability to win it all. And, like, as much as I just, like, want to, like, lay on my ass and order pizza and watch some random game uh, in college football because I love the sport so much, I also love it so much because I love national championship races. And, like, the thing that would be hard to kind of put yourself uh, into a position is is to really getting emotionally invested in the sport, unless you're putting money on, on the games, and in the results of the game if there's no national championship to win. So just that scenario, I think, is just an interesting thing because desperation equals potential. Um but the other hand is we're in the middle of the worst thing that's happened in a lot of our lifetimes to our society. Um, and I think college football would be the cure for that. So, like, could I get excited? Absolutely. If you can't get excited for the thing that you're banging your fist against the table for right now, then why are you banging your fist? And, like, I think that if you couch it in a different way, like this is like the developmental season or you view it a different way to see your young players play or to see your team play, um, heading into next year's fall season, depending on the eligibility rules and everything and how they all like map out. Like I think that like the the plan that we came up with, like coinciding with the college basketball and stuff, like in one sense, a spring and a fall season would be great because that means we get football for six straight. It would almost be a straight year of football without stop. Mm-hmm. Cause you would go from fall to January, then January to March and you'd have a two month break. Then you'd have fall camp and then you'd have the season again. It'd be awesome. Like, just from a sports standpoint, like, we'd always have something to watch. Um, And I had a dream last night that, like, Purdue was on television and, like, won a shootout 51-50. to And, like, I woke up in a cold sweat. And it's just, like, there were no national championships on on the line of my dream. But, like, I was just, like, was I had Burger King breakfast and was watching Purdue. That was a legit dream. And, like, it was just, (laughs) like, and I was with my friend Mark Rosenberg, who lives in Seattle and I haven't seen for five years. It's a very odd dream now that I'm saying it out loud. But, like, he's like, dude, college football is the best. I'm like, yeah, I sure is, isn't it, bud? And then I woke up. <laughs> Did you wake up with a cold sweat because you had Purdue money line? <laughs> they won. <laughs> it would have been a warm sweat. No, it's a warm sweat, um, so, yeah. Um, 
I don't even know who they were playing. I just remember, like, Rondale Moore was in the dream, and it was just awesome. And, you know, I just, yeah, I think that I could get excited. I think if they, like, created the schedule and they had, like, indoor tournaments or did really creative things that made the games exciting but also, like, led into, like, Selection Sunday for, you know, all the things that we were just talking about in the last episode, I think, of course I could get excited. Can you? I, I can, yeah. I can at least get excited by the idea that they're. I think I think it's not just lip service. I think they're going to make a legitimate run at trying to play football in the spring because I might have said this in the last one. Like the financial implications of not doing so are, are so catastrophic that I don't even know if they want to entertain them at the moment. And I'm also further encouraged by the idea that like people in college basketball are very into the idea of trying to play college basketball with some kind of bubble scenario whether that's a tournament in a bubble or like showcases in a bubble like not a normal college basketball season like they are highly motivated to play college basketball because they cannot go another year without the ncaa tournament like college athletics as we know i think would crumble if that were to happen um so if they're that motivated to get basketball going and the NCAA is on board like mark emmer was talking about bubbles then then i'm not saying they're going to play spring football in a bubble but uh, I am encouraged that, that the motivation is legitimate and not just something they're saying to appease people, to appease players, to appease recruits. Um, so wh- whether or not that means it will happen, I guess, is another discussion. But, but I certainly think they're going to try. And I'm excited on some level to like watch that process kind of play out here and what kind of model they come up with. And I do – I like, like what Ryan Day's plan, which seems like it's the one that has the most steam. Start in January, end in March. The indoor stadiums thing was something James Franklin threw out there, but otherwise the framework seems to be what Ryan Day's talking about. I think that's the only scenario that gives you even uh, a minuscule chance of seeing Justin Fields play at Ohio State again. I still don't think that would happen, but it gives you a chance, I guess. Uh, but even beyond that, like, I don't know. I, I get the idea that the season won't mean anything. What are you playing for? Nick Saban called it a JV season, and like that quote's not going to die anytime soon, unless Alabama. I wonder what he would call it if Alabama ends up having to play in the winter. Yeah, I mean, um, I I think that the, the if they could play the spring with everybody, like that would be the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah, like that would be like there would be. No, There'd be more juice for that season than any season we could come up with in the fall. And, like, honestly, Bill, we're not that far away. It's almost September. Like, we're talking three months. Like, if they could get it down, like, we'll get through Thanksgiving and the holidays. We won't have football. It'll be weird. Maybe the NFL will hold us over, and then, bam, right in January, like, when we're, like, sad that college football's ending, then we get a full freaking year of it. Like, that would be awesome. And, like, honestly, if you were an Alabama fan, would you rather play in the fall without the other conferences, or would you rather have one real season in the spring? leading into the fall season I that think, actually is a, has a legitimate national champion and like plays in indoors and has tournaments and like is like a new version of the sport that we all love like to me like pushing it for the fall is worse like just let's get together and like come up with a uniform plan let's use the fall as like the biggest like recruiting bonanza in the history of recruiting let's sign these kids in december let's let some of them be eligible let's have all the players um, that are on these teams still play. Let's move the NFL draft back. Let's shorten the season to eight to ten games. Let's crown conference champions and let's alter the playoff and let's create the coolest national championship race in the history of the fucking game. Like that would be the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. And I'm sorry I said it again. That was an accident. But like I just got carried away because it's like when you start talking about it out loud, like don't you get like if you're in your car or at your desk right now and like 
everybody felt that, right? Like, you felt that, right? <laughs> like, because we're all fans of the game. Who wouldn't want that? Would you rather watch Ohio State battle the Pac-12 for a Rose Bowl, or would you rather watch Ohio State play Alabama in March? Yeah, I think everyone would rather watch Ohio State play Alabama in March. I don't know if would the you? SEC would rather have if the if you could say if you could tell the SEC right now like hey you guys can play in fall but it's only three conferences and maybe the championship won't mean as much or we can all move to the spring and have a legitimate championship the SEC is like no we're going to play in the fall you think so yeah I mean you they're doing Alabama they're doing rather, it right now no I know but you think that Alabama fans would rather win a national championship with an asterisk next asterisk next to it or would you rather them would you think they'd rather have a full calendar year of 2021 football where they can win two legitimate national championships? Who's putting the asterisk, asterisk next to it? Because literally everybody but the fans of the team that that won. Uh, like that's what everybody would do. I don't care who wins. That's what's going to happen. I don't know if that's true. I think Ohio State fans would do that. I don't know. If I would do it for anybody, not just for Bama. Like if Wake Forest won the national championship this year out of nowhere, like I'd be like, oh, they won it in some weird, uh, abbreviated season where they don't have to play in a playoff with all the teams in it. Like, I don't know. Like I, I, and I would say Ohio state's Rose bowl in the, in the spring would be less legitimate. Like it was just, they didn't play Oregon. They didn't play all the games they'd have to play. And you know, it's just not as fun. Am I alone in this? No, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I, I, I agree with you, but I'm telling you that like the conversation around college football is dominated by the Southern conferences and like they're not gonna care. <laughs> it's like Nick Saban's hoisting that trophy on January 11th or whatever it is in a season that only included the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. They ain't putting an asterisk next to it. Like in Ohio, it's all you'll hear, and legitimately so that like it doesn't count because the team that might have been the best team in the country wasn't a part of it. But they're not gonna care. like the ACC, the SEC, yeah. and the Big 12 aren't yeah. gonna care. <laughs> I don't ask your boy Matt who just moved to Tuscaloosa what it's like down there. I don't know. I've only been there and I've only eaten barbecue there. I've never experienced the culture. But like, I just feel like if I if I wanted to win something, I would want to win it whether it's a Madden game or a pickup basketball game or a college football national championship by beating the other teams and winning and conquering the sport at its best. And it would feel cheapened if I did want it because of something else. Especially because you can't deny the fact that Ohio State is one, one of the best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if Alabama or Clemson wins a national championship this year in a playoff that doesn't include them, then that is cheapened. I I agree 100%. I totally yeah. agree with you. I'm just not so sure. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm just not so sure the conversation nationally would, would go in that direction. But I would I would hope that it would because it would be, it would be true. Um, but I think we know... We're gonna be a lot of columns in Ohio about it. Yeah, I think we know how like the the discourse on this sport takes shape and like where it originates. <laughs> so, yeah, and it, it ain't it ain't from north down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It just like I feel like the thing that makes me the most uneasy as a reporter and as a fan of the sport is that not only is Ohio State and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 not playing. But it seems like so weirdly off in terms of like being on the same page. And like if we all knew, well, this sucks, everybody, this sucks, there's no fall season, but we'll get it back together collectively in the spring and here's the plan, here's when camp's going to start, here's when everything's going to go down. I think we can all collectively as a country get behind that. But like right now, if you're in the, depending on what part of the country you live in, you either are a part of the cool kids club or you're not, and like that's what's causing all of this Twitter craziness. And it's just yeah. like 
Yeah. And I don't know if that's like a microcosm just for the country in terms of nobody can agree and we're all like at arms with each other, but it's just like college football is supposed to bring us together, man. And like I just I feel like once we all get back on the same page, same recruiting calendar. I keep bringing that up, but it's so important. Same schedule, same fall camp, same camps, same season, same obstacles to overcome, everything. And this is the plan. Then we all can collectively focus on that plan and like get excited for it. Like we were all excited for this fall season. In March when this happened, you and I were like, God, I cannot wait till the fall when we're back to normal and like this world is back to normal. And like I know that people are probably screaming, well, how do we know it's going to be normal in, this, in, in the spring? Well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I think that we all need, just need to have a plan and continually focus on the next thing that's on that plan and then deal with the consequences of things that are occurring in the world as a result of that and not because the plan wasn't in place. Yeah. I just – it's – it's hard, I think, to get into that frame of mind when that should have been the case for this time around. Like we we arrived at the point where the Big Ten canceled its fall season because it felt like they had no plan, like they had months and months to prepare, and then it got time to like put up or shut up, and they didn't know what to do. Um, so I don't know why that would inspire confidence that four months from now they would be in a better position. But ho- like I don't know, maybe this was a learning experience for everybody. I, re- I sincerely hope that it was. Um, otherwise, we're going to be having very similar conversations, I think, in, in November, December, and January, and I. I and like, I dread the idea that we would be. And I think that we also, like, have criticized not only the NCAA but the Big Ten and the way that they've handled all this. And rightfully so. But as a rational person, too, like, I can understand why they messed that up. Like, this isn't an easy thing to navigate. Like, there is no playbook you know, for it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, like, now that they kind of were put in the scenario and failed, I would have more confidence – and their ability to get it together and make a uniformed plan collectively starting now than I would the first time. So, like, I would give it another shot. And, like, if we get the spring and the new plan that they come up with is impossible to do, then, you know what, we skipped the season. It really sucked that that happened. Everybody was in the same page. Everybody didn't get their season, and now we can focus on getting ready for the fall next year. And have spring football and all the things that we do and get back on the regular calendar. Because, like, I just, like, sometimes wonder, like, what doing all this stuff is going to do for the long-term health of the actual sport that we love. Like, is it just going to be spring season, then they're going to play fall, and then we're back to normal? Is that what's going to happen? Or, like, are there going to be long-term effects of forcing it that are going to have a drastic impact on the game that we love? I think there could be, yeah, and I don't. I mean, that's that's pretty dense. I think subject material and probably take like an hour to sort through. But but I do think that that the sport has changed like forever. How significantly? I'm not so sure of that yet. I think it depends on what happens with the fall. And I honestly don't know. Like <clears throat> the Big Ten has has brought a lot of damage onto itself by the way it's handled this. Um, I'm not so sure how much that impacts Ohio State. To be perfectly honest. Um, I don't, I don't think like this is the last we'll see of Ohio State being a national title contender every year, um, mm-hmm. and I think there is like some legitimate fear that that might actually be the case. I'm, I'm just, I'm not there. Even if those teams play in, play this fall and the Big Ten has to play in the spring, even if the Big Ten can't even play in the spring, and we're all just like waiting for fall 2021 to come around, might be a, a momentary dip for a program like Ohio State only because it's going to lose a lot of guys who are first-round talents and never got the chance to play. But 
the roster that they've assembled is still the roster. They're still recruiting, clearly. Um, it hasn't had a negative impact on them yet. And I just, I just don't think it would because it's not the notion that Ohio State doesn't care about football, like doesn't carry any weight. They still they will care about uh, just as much about football 10 months from now as they do right now, as they have always. Yeah, 100 like, years not, from that's now. It's not going to yeah. change. So I'm just not, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not fearful of that. I, I guess I understand why you would be, but I'm not. I think that fans are just hyper um, sensitive about um, just the idea of the thing that could happen to like rock Ohio State's program to the core. And like back when you and I were at Cleveland.com, we did a series um, about Ohio State's program. Was it like 2015 or something after they won the national championship called the Indestructible Series? And like we broke down like the five different reasons why Ohio State is one of the most sturdy programs in America and has never really been down for any long period of time like some of the other powers have been. Even the great Alabama has been down. Um, and, like, the one thing that we didn't consider about, like, indestructible nature of college football is a global pandemic. But even so, I still think that everybody's kind of in the same boat. And you can get nervous about how Alabama or – Miami or some other program tells their recruits that Ohio State's recruiting that Ohio State doesn't care as much about football as they do but like that stuff is like surface level crap that's not going to have an impact on Ohio State's ability to attract talent and later on in this podcast um, after we get done navigating this really hard thing to navigate and talking about the craziness that it is to be an Ohio State fan following this beat full of personalities and aliases <laughs> and all the stuff that happens as a result from Surrey Yacht to um you know, what else you can come up with in terms of how you get your information. We're going to get to another commitment of a top 100 program, a player now that Ohio State's 22 class has five commitments already, and all of which are in the top 150 players nationally. Like, so far, so good, boys. Like, I mean, like, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a pretty good spot here in terms of, like, trying to figure out whether or not Ohio State's going to be affected long-term in this. I kind of just want to jump there now, to be honest. All right, let's I, do I it. I just feel like, like we've been a, I don't know, Let's talk about something fun and good for Ohio State fans. Um, I but quickly before we do that, it, this I I can't keep track of like what's official and what's still yet to be voted on. But this seems like it's pretty certainly going to happen. Is that uh, teams that aren't playing this fall are going to have the ability to practice for twelve hours a week, five hours of which are on field workouts with helmets and footballs and spider pads, which are just soft shoulder pads. Um, so that's something I thought maybe they'd get twenty, like a like a altered spring ball kind of deal but it but it's from august 24th to october 4th we're talking about a long period of time but that's what ohio state's going to get they're going to get 12 hours on the field we hope to talk with ryan day and gene smith sometime soon about like exactly what that's going to look like for ohio state certainly there are financial um, ramifications to this for the ohio state athletic program that we'll, we'll want to talk with gene smith about too um while everyone's announcing uh what they're doing i guess we should say like we have also sent FOIA requests to Ohio State and everyone else in the Big Ten to try to figure out how this all played out, and I look forward to getting the returns on those requests in like 15 months because that's how those things go. But um, there's still stuff to talk about with what's happened. I, I don't know. We've been talking about it for 40 minutes, and I want to talk about something else, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I just want to let you know that I just figured out what Spaboni is. I Googled it while you were just talking, and I – I didn't know what that was, so I don't know what it is either. It was the first word that popped into it's my like, head? Is it a bad uh, thing? No, it's like an ice cream. Oh, nice. There was, uh, uh, I think, which I is said on it, brand. There was a. Uh, did you watch Hey Arnold when you were a kid? 
Yeah, my breathing. Yeah, wasn't the guy like like the the Frank Sinatra type guy on Hey Arnold? Yeah. What did his name? Dino Spumoni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I forgot think, about I that. I think that's why. Yeah, it was Dino Spumoni. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you didn't know this, Spumoni is um, plural for spumona or for spuma. Is molded gelato, lower fat form of ice cream made with layers, different colors, and flavors, usually containing candied fruits and nuts. You lost so, me a lower fat. <laughs> well, gelato is lower fat form of ice cream, but the gelato is delicious. So, like, you know, I, I am personally in this weird weight loss journey and have been very successful in it. Um, just hiked up a mountain um, yesterday and I almost died, legitimately almost died. Um, Do you have an encounter with, like, a mountain lion or something? No, like, I slipped and it was, like, a disaster. Oh, like, that happened I, to me. Like, yeah. there's a thing at Penn State, like, when you before you graduate, like, you hike Mount Nittany. So I yeah. hiked Mount Nittany with my friends and then, like, nearly broke my ankle trying to come down. And then I had to lug my big ass down the mountain on one leg and then go right to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I uh, will tell you, when you climb a very steep mountain, and for full disclosure, I'm in Santa Barbara right now uh, looking at the ocean. Um because if we're not going to have fall camp, then we're going to have fall fun. <laughs> and, I, uh, I am not in Santa Barbara. <laughs> um, but w- me and my girlfriend walked up this mountain, and it was the hardest hike I've ever done because it was uh, two miles of just straight up. And it was like a wind cave, so when you get up to the top, you're like in this cave. But also, like, there's holes that you can see the ocean in. But, like, coming down is harder than going up. Like, I was, like, panting in my heart rate. I had the Apple Watch going 170. Um all the way up for two straight hours. Like when I was done, I was dead. But like coming down is harder because you're like putting your whole weight against you. And sometimes when your shoes hit the pa- the uh, gravel path, if you want to call it that way, you can slip. And I fell like directly on my tailbone. Like and if I was in a different place, like that would have been like a disaster. So like you got to be careful with that stuff. But I don't know how we got onto that point. Spumoni? Spumoni. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the reason why I was telling you about this is because I'm working out and doing things to try to lose a bunch of weight. And I've lost a bunch of weight since I left Ohio. Um, and I'm going to continue to lose more weight. Um, so I'm also, like, in the camp of, yes, I want more carbs and more fat. But also, like, if you know something that tastes good and is also good for you, please leave it in our reviews. <laughs> because I would, like... Love to know how a functional human healthy eaters eat without smashing large dominoes like Bill and I have done a few times in our past. Like, how can you feel satisfied and full without having to put terrible food into your body? Because, like, I know what it feels like to smash McDonald's and Burger King and the chip aisle and pizza and feel like, you know, that, like, gratified feeling of, like, oh, finally I'm full. Teach me how to feel that healthy because I haven't figured out a way to do that yet. <laughs> I had uh, I had veggie tots last night for dinner. Were they good? Pretty good. What? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a side. No, no, I know, but it's like you know we had we made burgers on the grill and it's like instead of making French fries we made veggie tots that were made out. Yeah, of, these were made out of cauliflower, but I've yeah. also had them made out of broccoli and sweet potato. They're pretty good. Yeah, like you can get veggie chips and things that actually taste pretty good. Like my girlfriend is gluten free and is a health nut, so like I'm like having a crash course lesson on how to live the fit fam lifestyle, and uh, <laughs> it's not going great, but it's not going terrible. Like there's some like she's like really good at like subbing in healthy things for non healthy things. So like she made chicken parm, but she made it in the air fryer with almond flour instead of like frying it with real flour, and it tasted legit. I think we might have just lost our entire audience. Let's talk about recruiting. Yeah. (laughs) 
Desan McCullough, a class of 2022 linebacker, committed to Ohio State on Tuesday, I believe was the day. I, for, I don't even know what day of the week it is right now. What is it, April? Today's Thursday, bud. Today's Thursday. He committed on Tuesday. And I wrote a story about Desan McCullough being ranked the number uh, – 71 player in the country and then like the next morning he was ranked like the number 53 player in the country but he's a six foot five ish 220 pound now he's 46 oh god he keeps going up six foot five ish 245 pound safety linebacker kind of prospect out of uh, blue Va- blue valley north high school uh just outside of kansas city overland park kansas his father's a running backs coach for the kansas city chiefs Dylan mccullough um i I'm thinking about Isaiah Simmons. And this is what I wrote on the story on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4 6 It's 40% off. You can read the story. He is from the same area as Isaiah Simmons, which I think is a lot makes it a more logical leap. But I feel like Ohio State is like loading up more and more on these kind of big, long, rangy, positionless players. And I think those guys are really fun to like watch from like a film standpoint. I think it's really fun to sort of ponder how they could fit into the scheme, and it makes me like really excited about what could potentially be coming for Ohio State's defense as Kerry Combs continues to put his tweak on it. But also, there's another side to this too. Like Al Washington is recruiting his ass off right now. He's the number one ranked recruiter in the class of 2022. So, like both of those things are are, are are equally important and equally interesting. But let's start with Al Washington, Ari. I think I think Ohio State fans might have been waiting for him to like make his splash a little bit. Since he since he joined the staff before last season, and in this class he has Desam McCullough, he has C.J. Hicks, he has Gabe Powers, who I think are all three top 100 linebackers, and like Sean Murphy, another I believe also a five star middle linebacker is like in the mix for Ohio State. You're looking at three or four blue chip linebackers for Al Washington in this class. And somebody asked me the other day, like, is this the best linebacker hall that Ohio State's ever had? And like, there have been some good ones. Um, but it makes me want to like go back and look at, and I guess it's a thing you can't judge after the fact, but it makes me want to go back and look at like what they're building with this 2022 class, like how it stacks up to what they've had in the past because this is really good. Yeah, well, it's also at a time where Ohio State absolutely needs to do it because as much as there's been a logjam of linebackers on their current roster, they're all going to be gone by then. Mm-hmm. So like they need to like replenish the cupboard, and if you want to do that with signing a bunch of top hundred linebackers, one of which is an athlete that's six foot five and like is like an absolute freak. Like, that's a Bruce Feldman freaks list player, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, I've always wanted to ask you about this, and uh, it has been about 50 minutes or so um, into this podcast, and I haven't called you the X's and O's guys yet, so, like, the X's <laughs> and O's guys. But, like, you don't really see linebackers that big often, and I don't know why, like, from a height standpoint. Um, and it's just, yeah. like, the guy is, like, terrifying. Like, I, like, like it's like, here, you explain this to me. And I hope this doesn't make me sound like I don't know shit about football. So just tell me to shut up. But, like, I always thought, like, why doesn't Chase Young play outside linebacker? Was he just not fast enough? No, I just – well, I think he was not fast enough because he was too big. Okay. Chase is, like, what, like 270? Yeah. I mean, he was really fast for his position. I just know he probably isn't as fast as, like, Darren Lee or something. Well, it like also that. depends, too. Like, Chase Young – Chase Young's like not going to play Will linebacker in a four three scheme, but I think Chase Young could play like a Jack linebacker position in a three four scheme. Yeah, yeah. It's just like this guy, like Isaiah Simmons, is one of the best players that we've ever seen. I think. 
yeah, don't you that's have like a love the, affair the, with Isaiah Simmons? Yes, yes, and I, it's a good point to bring up because I'm going to compare Desan McCullough to Isaiah Simmons every single chance that I get because I'm infatuated with players like that. It is worth noting that not only was Isaiah Simmons six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, played nine different positions at Clemson. Like he was that big, and he ran a four three one forty or some crazy shit like that. Like he is an alien. And to compare anybody to him like directly and say they're the same like does a disservice to just how rare he was. But I think the ideas are very similar. And Isaiah Simmons was a three star prospect, so recruiting is stupid. But like I <laughs> think that like this is a really good start. And like Al Washington is like a very like nice, charismatic dude. And like I think people knew the second he showed up from Michigan that this was going to happen. But I just don't think that his first class at Ohio State linebacker was a huge need. And that kind of like overshadowed his position group. So now that you see Ohio State being in a position um, to do these things and doing it, then, you know, that's a wonderful thing. But the thing that you have to also consider too, Bill, is that two of the three linebackers who are committed in the 22 class are from Ohio. So, like, those are layups. Actually, you know all what three I mean? of them are. Desan McCullough was born yeah. in Cincinnati and lived here for nine years. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not trying to say anything that – takes away credit from him but these are the types of players that you need to close on if you're al washington and he's done that and the fact that ohio state happens to have or the state of ohio happens to have three top 75 players at one position is a huge get it's almost like another one of ohio state's deals with the devil we're losing all our linebackers and now all of a sudden there's three top 75 players from ohio or in ohio um ready to go um and you know and the show goes on I think it's what you want, like, especially a linebacker. Like, I just, I don't want to, like, the linebacker, I think the linebacker play when it took a dip was more about development than it was recruiting. But it, it's a clearly, because, like, you get, like, Byron Browning and stuff. But to, the position has bounced back, I think, in a pretty major way, like, very quickly, both on the field and off of it with the way they're, they're bringing guys in now. And and I give Al Washington a lot of credit for that. I, I like his vibe a lot. Um I don't know what's in his future. Like I was talking with CJ Hicks and he said, like, I, I I don't expect Al Washington to be leaving Ohio state anytime soon. Like I'm, I'm like fully on board with like Kerry Combs is a defensive coordinator. He springboards that into being a head coach. As I think we all know that Kerry wants to be a head coach someday. And like Al Washington is Ohio state's defensive coordinator in like three years. And then from there, who knows? Um, but I think he's 36 years old. He's sort of making a name for himself right now at Ohio State. He had a good reputation before that, but when you get on this level and you start recruiting the way that he's recruiting right now, that that's when people start to notice you, and, and that creates a lot of opportunities for you. It's not dissimilar from Brian Hartline. Um, but he is he's rising. Al Washington is rising, and, and you're seeing the benefits of that for Ohio State right now with a class that's like soup. Like it's so fun to talk. Like I wrote a story, and no one read it because I dropped it in the middle of the Big Ten trying to destroy itself. But – Desan McCullough, I think, is like legitimately can play like three or four positions at Ohio State. I I think the same of CJ Hicks are very similar players. Gabe Powers could be a Mike, could be a Will, could be a defensive end. Like, there's a lot of versatility, and I think that's sort of the name of the game with Ohio State moving forward with all the back seven. And it's just really fun to think about what what they're going to look like because I don't think the big question we talked about right coming into this year was was what's Kerry Combs going to do to the defense when we thought they were going to play. Um, it's not going to look the same. Like the, their base is their base, but it's going to change. It's going to be tweaked, and the ways it can be tweaked. When you think about the kind of player, the, the caliber one, the skill sets, the body types that they're bringing in, like everything's on the table 
everything like to look like a crazy Brent Venables defense, a crazy Gary Patterson defense. The Tennessee Titans did some really cool stuff when Kerry Combs was there. And like for someone like me who likes like the nitty gritty football stuff, it's it's fun to think about what that's going to look like and, and the opportunity to like dive into that once they start playing football again is like something I'm really looking forward to. Sometimes I feel like versatility when you say that about a recruit when they're in the recruiting process is like a way to make up for the fact that they're not very good. <laughs> but then when like you're in a situation like this when you're talking about legitimate bona fide top hundred players nationally that Ohio State's recruiting right now, like those players are the types of players that take you to the national championship. Like, and I think that there's a very big difference between three star prospect who can play multiple positions and has a lot of potential to be plugged in where there's a position of need and there's also the type of player where they come into the team and it's just like you can put them anywhere because they're so good and this is going to be the most versatile aggressive athletic and fast defense i've ever seen and i think it's the second thing right now this you see that yeah yeah and the the idea of versatility here like in in the past like malik harrison played 14 positions at walnut ridge and he didn't look like a will linebacker, but he got here. But we all knew that he was going to be a will linebacker, and like that's versatility. And the idea that like Draymond Jones was an end at Saint Ignatius, but he's going to kick inside and play tackle at Ohio State—that's versatility. But this, like with the Sal McCullough, to me is different. Um, it's not just like oh, he's a bigger safety. We're going to make him a linebacker, and he's going to look like a normal linebacker that you've seen in football for 150 years. I truly think like the guys like him and C.J. Hicks are going to be kind of like Swiss Army knife kind of players, like an Isaiah Simmons, like. Derwin James of Florida State a couple years ago. It's just the way the sport. Keep comparing is. them to the first round draft picks. Um, <laughs> who else can I compare them to? Um, Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> Barry Sanders. He was good. Emmett Smith. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's different. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not just a guy who's one position in high school who's going to bulk up and play a different position in college. It's like legitimately this guy could. We can put this guy right. in four different spots in our defense, and. Um, have some fun with it and get really creative. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that uh, the idea that Ohio State has been at the top of the game um, for the past 10 years since Urban took over is, like, one thing. But I also think, too, that, like, when you talk about, like, what Ohio State's doing since Ryan Day took over, it's almost like morphing into something different that's a little bit more of a uh, advanced version of a great program. It's not just a team that has the best players. Now it's getting the types of players that you can create a lethal defense with uh, in terms of versatility and Swiss Army Knife type players, like you said. It's a new offensive scheme that has put them in a best position to exploit defenses. It's the top-end quarterbacks in the recruiting process are going to come in and win the Heisman, potentially, and be the number one overall pick. Like, There's a lot of things that are happening right now at Ohio State that just weren't happening under Urban. And I'm not saying that Urban couldn't have done those things. I think Urban built this. But I think that if you were one of the people, and we all were one of them, or at least I was one of them, the thought Ohio State was going to take a pretty big step back because you don't lose a Hall of Fame coach like Urban and get better, like Ryan Day is proving to be everything that Ohio State could have hoped for and more. And it's all based on all these different little things that you're seeing. Like they are morphing into something even more powerful. And I don't I don't think that's going to change, which is like I guess a, maybe a good way to, to sign off here. It's like, the way they're recruiting is again. I just don't think it's going to be impacted by any by any of this. And and the way you're talking about, like the evolution of this program, I think is still going to take place. And like we're still going to talk about it, and we're still going to write about it. And I think we'll we'll eventually get to a point where all of the craziness of the last month is truly behind us. And I get that it's not there yet, but I think if the program is moving forward, we should be too. 
And, and I think that's where we're going to kind of go with this as we continue to podcast and continue to write stories on The Athletic. And we want the input from you guys, like we said at the top, of, of exactly what we should be doing. Because we'll, we have ideas of how we want to cover a fall with no football, but we're also open to input because we serve you guys too. So anything you want to share with us, whether it's it's through Q&As or, or mailbags on The Athletic in, in the reviews of the podcast, like we said, or even shoot us an email uh, if you want to do that too. My email is blandisattheathletic.com. Ari's is... Uh, f- Trying to think something funny? Five star, <laughs> stars matter at gmail.com. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a really nice sign-off, Bill. Um, from now on, when we do uh, listener Q&As, we will be doing them from the review section. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally kidding. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that we're in a place right now where um, looking forward um, is a good thing. And Bill... I know that there's going to be no football for Ohio State, but like you still love the programs if you're a fan, right? Like yeah. there's still um, and everything that happens as a result of the cancellation, new rules, new personnel, the flipping of personnel, leaving, like all these things are still important, and you're still going to love your team in ten months or a year or whatever, how long it takes to play football again, and once it does, everything that's happening right now is going to matter. So our coverage matters, and you matter, and I matter. I think sometimes but the fans matter the most so like really like if you have an idea my email is a wasserman at the like we'd love to hear from you if you have an idea or a question or whatever like this podcast is nothing without its listeners certainly nothing without bill but mostly the listeners who we will talk to next week As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.